0: Hi there, you're listening to a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters for the week ending Friday, the 24th of June. We are on Triple I every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m., broadcast live from Melbourne, Australia. Coming up on the podcast this week, you won't hear Bobby because she was off sick, but we were still joined by Nazim Hussain telling us about his show, Hussain That, Chapel Off Chapel, and reminiscing about his fond memories of being a scout. Uh, what happens when an artist tours for their last hurrah? Do you go see them and uh, is it as good as you expect? Chloe Hooper was here to talk about her new book, Bedtime Story, and Michael Harden was here to speak in defence of Cabbage.
1: We delve into some secret sacrifices we all make and Mon keeps her budding romance from slipsliding away. Robin Ania, historian, joins in to lay on us bicycle face. (laughs) Uh, Felicity Ward chats about her new show at the Athenaeum. She's back, baby! But we kick off the week with former breakfaster Geraldine Hickey stepping in with a Monday's expertise recap of the Recklink Community Cup. (laughs) Triple
2: R. Uh, you are listening to Breakfasters. It's me, Geraldine Hickey, filling in for Bobby McCumber today. Uh, I've a, a, a big shout-out to Bobby. It, it, I, I can't think of... Like, just what a rotten time to be ill.
0: It's so bad. I feel... Oh, yeah, I, I heartbroken for her when she sent the message saying she was sick.
2: I got the message. She sent me the message as well, uh, you know, saying... I, I found it. And I was just like, oh, mate, this is... That's... Oh. Just because I I knew how much she really wanted to play in in the in the cup and it was you know and she can play <laughs> mm. and you know it would have been you know because I'm you know I'm still in the the megahertz you know group and so I'm still aware of all the chats and stuff and you know I'm feel like you know I feel the team spirit and stuff and she was very much a part of it because I, I I remember ages ago, um, you know, she was like, oh, she was a bit apprehensive about playing. I yeah, she like, said
0: "I just wanted to maybe coach. And I said, and she goes, oh, I'm probably not good enough. I said, probably. Oh, mate. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of the only people who has <laughs> semi-professional experience. I like, said, mate,
2: get in there. You'll have a great time. So I'm so glad that, you know, she did it. And so it's, you know, it's disappointing that she didn't get to play on the day. Yeah. But um, good for me because i got to. That's right. um
1: right. But, so, but an email went around saying, you know, there was a case of COVID between like 5.40 and 9 a.m. And I read it. I'm like, oh, my God, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's
2: I um, I was doing the Channel 31 broadcast with Rose Callahan. We were both hosting together. And so when – because I went to the media launch for the Cup and it was just kind of like, oh, yeah – I remember this, mm. oh, I'm back and it was, you know, saw the coaches and other players and, you know, like, oh, you're going to have a run, you know, you're going to get out there and I was like, oh, no, I've got to, I'm, you know, I'm committed to doing, to doing this Channel 31 thing and then on further research, I found out that I wasn't required during the game for the Channel 31, mm-hmm. like, I knew it was just, it was, you know, before the game, quarter time and stuff to do, you know, pre-interviews and whatnot and I was like I reckon and so when on the group chat you know when it went out who's who's gonna play and I just wrote, I'm like this you know I'm doing the Channel 31 thing but the salty croc will be ready to go if needed if needed so getting dressed that morning i was you know I, you know what it was going in not expecting to play you know i hadn't i wasn't on the team there was no but still wanted to be ready Mm. so i was like what am i gonna wear what am i gonna wear i've got to be i'm like oh oh there's my there's my megahertz socks (laughs) i'll I'll wear them i'll wear them oh there's my megahertz oh you know i'll I'll wear i'll wear my old jumper I'll get in. that'll be good for just getting in in the gates early, <laughs> just flapping the <laughs> jumper. Go, oh, I'm in. Um, and then uh, so I got in because then I went, I'll go in early because I knew what time all the players were getting in for the the chat in the morning. I said, oh, go, I'd love to, you know, get in the rooms. You mm. want to get in the rooms and have a bit of a chat, get in the rooms. And so people were like, oh, yeah, you're going you gonna have a plate. And EBL was like, you have a plate. I'm like, mate, I'm. I'm ready if you need me. Do you need me? <laughs> and she went, Yeah, I reckon we might. I'm like, All right, I'm, I'm, I'm here if you need. <laughs> and she goes, Do you have boots? I'm like, No, we'll, we'll get you some oh, boots. Yeah, How do you get boots? Uh, Emerald Cow had a good mate that came through with the goods and Amazing. just they fitted perfectly. What a treat! It was just mm. I put these boots on and went. Oh, they couldn't fit any better. And he these kept are them, terrific. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and no, I gave them back. It was it was all good. Uh, but I was just like, I think I think this is going to happen. And then I I signed, you know, the, the appropriate waiver forms. Sort of like if I if I get injured, you'll be right. I'll be fine. Um, and yeah, and then I was so pumped. Once I once I got the it was so funny like once I got the oh yeah we might need you I'm like I'm oh, huh. put me in mm-hmm. put me like
3: fired up
2: then yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah And then I said to the channel 31 panel said like, I might play is that all right and they like oh yeah yeah I said just like when I'll just want to check with you first before I commit to to them and they are like yeah it should be full. maybe um just not in the first quarter and I'm like okay no no problem not in the first quarter I still went out in the first <laughs> quarter I went out I right. did it the, the jumper
1: presentation mm. uh receive a jumper from Nicole Tadpole.
0: Mm. I did not believe, I did not know I believed it. I couldn't believe that she had been playing for so long. Since
2: 2000, was yeah. that she, – she, she said she ran the boundary in 99 and then got a Guernsey in 2000.
1: Amazing. Yeah, and uh, when my jumper was presented, I was like, oh, someone's uh, – is it uh, shrunk in the wash or <laughs> is this from the children's section? Uh, so I've got a year to fit into it, um, <laughs> which I'm looking forward to. But also, I was on – Grant. Uh, you know, you matched up with a player or whatever. Yes, yeah, you, so you rotate. So I'm with Dylan, right? So like <laughs> literally runs marathons.
0: Honorable mention, Dylan, but yeah, he oh. got mentioned in the presentation.
1: Yeah, and so obviously you know superstar, two goals, two very significant goals.
0: Yeah, right. I think even in the same quarter.
1: Oh, I I thought. Oh, okay.
0: But I don't know. I it, I don't it, it,
1: it may it may be in separate quarters because I remember thinking if it weren't for me. Oh. <laughs> volunteering to leave the ground, <laughs> this, this whole display of talent.
0: <laughs> it should be honourable mention to Daniel Burke. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you. I appreciate
1: it. Uh, I um, was on the ground with uh, Blanchy from Ramblin' Gold, who was a absolutely legend. Mm. Like it couldn't have been a better introduction uh, for me. But uh, then in the last quarter I turned around and I looked at who I was on and I'm like, this can't be right uh, it, and I still don't really believe it. I'm pretty sure I was on Bet Goring and I <laughs> <laughs> don't. I was like, is this some kind of joke?
0: <laughs> I found myself playing on Bet Goring last Community Cup as the siren went and we we won. I was like, pretty nice to be standing next to – I don't know if she was playing W then but she went on too – I was like, pretty nice to be standing next to her and to beat her and having yes. absolutely no part in it. But, yeah, I know she's a little bit too good, isn't she? I was scandalised. Not good enough, obviously. <laughs> yeah.
1: I couldn't believe it. Um, but, yeah, walk to the ground. What a beautiful day. Yes. Like, from go to white, Walking Perfect. to the ground. Maybe it was a bit too long a walk. Got a stitch. I thought, I'm really not up for this. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and, yeah, the, seeing the – one thing, as a punter, you get to enjoy – the halftime entertainment and everything. You know, mm. We don't, you know, I didn't get to see as many bands as I would have liked. Yeah, I was
0: down in the rooms after the game, and I, you know, hanging around and having some snacks or whatever. And then I was like, oh, I want to go catch Cash Savage, because um, I know that they've started by now. And I, I walked out onto the field, and she said, "And that's us, guys. Thanks very <laughs> much." <laughs> oh. Oh. So I missed it, but you know,
2: well, I found on. it. Um, it was such a. a a stressful day but also exciting because I had to be in two places at once. Mm. Just going from like I'd you know, go from, you know, playing to, oh I know I have to interview this person or <laughs> and mm. so just running off and, and doing this and that. But it gosh, it was so good. It was so nice to be um to be back in the in a team in environment. There's something really special about um, you know the megahertz. You know, and maybe because it was the second time that I've played, so there was already that f- familiarity, um, and it was just so nice to be just welcomed back into the into the fold, mm. yeah, and just having that all oh, the salty crocs here. <laughs> Welcome back, salty Crocs. That's croc. right.
1: And I feel like the uh, victory can be attributed in part to the sort of collaborative. Absolutely. O- on field play.
0: Yeah, I think it's such a wonderful team to be in and it's unlike any other team sport I've played where it's so collaborative mm. and people are all completely different skill levels and still make a point of like lifting each other up. And, you know, Chris Gill is, is should get a mention as well as an amazing oh, captain mm. and, and player, but also just so good at passing the ball around. Like he definitely is quite spectacular. Took some amazing marks But you know Passing it on And giving everyone a shot He
2: did The great shepherd That meant that I could Pick up the ball Up on the wing there And he was yelling Handball, handball And I was like Nah, I'm going to kick it
1: To be on the ground When Chris (laughs) Gills Working his magic Is phenomenal Yeah Uh, It's special Uh, Bobby's got in touch Says thanks for filling in This morning Jess Must (laughs) have been a nice day For everyone Must be nice (laughs) (laughs) Triple R Nazim Hussain has performed his sellout stand up shows around the world, is twice nominated for a Helpman Award for Best Comedy Performer, is a two time winner of the Australian Writers Guild Award for Best Sketch Comedy, and in 2019 released his debut stand up special for Netflix. Nazim Hussain Public frenemy uh, Nazim is performing his new show. Who's saying that at Chapel of Chapel this Saturday in a special one-off encore performance? And tell us about it. The podcaster and performer joins us now. Nazim, welcome back to Breakfast. Oh, gosh,
4: that was that was my entire career <laughs> well, in 20 seconds. Could not
1: possibly. That's, that's my life. in 20 20 seconds. Life. Uh Sorry to reduce you to an IMDb page. There,
0: we like uh, to make people as uncomfortable as possible <laughs> at the start. Um, uh, what do you
1: have on for the rest of the day? Is it what's, um, what's a day like? Well,
4: I've got my um. Four-year-old, and um, I want to take him to bounce. And as Mon and I were just discussing, I don't know if he's old enough. I've been Googling, and it seems like he's got to be five. Ooh. But uh, him,
0: how, how soon till he's five?
4: Uh, ten months. Oh, okay.
0: So I think, <laughs> but can you, can you
1: be too young to fall to on bounce. something that's bouncy? So Bounce is, is it? we doing trampolines? Yeah. I mean, I
4: don't want this to be a plug for a company. <laughs> no, no, no. It's no, a trampoline
1: place. Yeah, go. Go. It's
4: not, okay. not the a- ABC, you can't plug. Triple A you can't. No, you can't. You can't. Love. Don't go to Bounce. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's still wrong. Okay. okay. Um, will you be on there, or so?
4: What, what's the idea? You're oh, yeah. It's the whole. I actually I've only seen it in my friends, um, in my, in a family WhatsApp group, and yeah. photos here and there. Yeah. And I am basically parents based on what my other friends are doing with their kids. You know, yeah. you just get easily ideas. influenced. I'm very easily influenced. It's basically instead of walking into a building with floor, it's just trampolines. <laughs> yeah. It's 100% trampoline. And there's also climbing walls. Everything um, is very
1: bouncy. Yeah. I think you've committed name. to going. You got to go. <laughs> I got to go. And, and there's no <laughs> static electricity anymore. In yeah, that's off. Oh, that was the worst bit, wasn't it? Was there it? a
4: place called Static Electricity? No. no,
1: no. That's what would happen when you would be you get
4: on a oh. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. And your hair gets all sandy up. Yeah. Well, uh, the thing is, I flagged the idea with my kid, which means we're going. You can't exactly. just go, what you do go you think about out, yeah. having chocolate today? Oh, that seems like an all right. You can't just, no. you have to do it. Now. Yeah, this one is out the eater now. Um, did,
1: you, uh, did, you ever, did your mum ever do any sort of this stuff with you? Oh, I did Scout. I did Cubs
4: and Scouts. Oh. Um, so we used to, uh, I used to go to all the camps all the time. But, I, I think, to be honest, this is, don't don't to really get deep so quick. Mm. A m- single mum, yeah. so she would try to substitute the role of dad with lots of other activities where men were involved. Yep. So um, I used to go to Cubs and Scouts all the time, and I remember then there was a new, there were news articles that emerged about about dodgy stuff going on in the Scouts right. world. Mm. And so one t- one time, my mum directly said to the scout leader before I, <laughs> before I went on camp, "Listen, please don't touch my son." <laughs> <laughs> Julie. And she also told me, she said, Nazim, if someone tries to touch your bum, don't let them touch your bum. That was her advice to protect against. It's good against... advice. Yeah so, yeah, so it was good it was good advice and I remember that to this day and I will parent my kids how with that advice. How refreshingly frank. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and to this day, no one has tried to. <laughs> Thank you, Mum. Uh, well, what did you learn in SCAD? Can you tell yeah, me? Oh, yeah. my God. I learned the knots and stuff, but I, I can't remember... Any, I, I remember I learned how to do a seance. Um, oh, I went really? to first Hartwell, which is near um Hartwell train station. The, I, the st- I reckon I You noticed. know, the one,
0: yeah, I think I it's know. kind
4: of behind Turak I went to Ashburn Primary School. Oh, wow! I found out from reading the RRR booklet that you lived close to me. But, anyhow, we'll get to that, <laughs> but yeah, I went so we so we, we stayed the night one night at, uh, at the H- Scout Hall. I don't think there were parents there for the whole night because. It was just us kids being crazy And then we did a seance Some kid Butzy He's his nickname He was like Oh let's do a seance We all held hands And then we started Thinking really hard About ghosts And we said If we all think really hard And then suddenly Something flapped on the wall oh, oh, that freaked out Some kids ran out I can't stay And I don't oh, They came went- back an hour later But was, it was just chaos Um, So I I learned how to summon You're bad Summoning
0: demons (laughs) no, that was part of the scouts I I don't think I
4: (laughs) I promise to do my best To do my duty to my God And to summon
0: ghosts Amazing
4: (laughs) Without Uh, parent supervision Do you
1: think Are you thinking about Enrolling your oh. child, anything oh. like this, or it is—it is definitely
4: character building. Mm. But character building often comes through just challenges and difficult. I know. Uh, 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 you're you're a pa- you're a parent of yeah, two I years, am. right? Yeah, That's
1: right. Boy, girl. Uh, it's a, yeah, Gabriel, yeah. boy, and yeah. I, I would like to enrol. But that's mm. the thing; it's it's it says something about you, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. So yeah.
4: everything you do as a parent is about who you are. Yes, it reflects on you. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. And I think the other thing, I don't know about
1: you, I, I,
4: I, I grew up poor, but now I'm not poor. Yeah. I don't, I feel like I don't want my kid to have to learn thing, you know, to have to grow uh, or, or develop character the way that I did. Yes, you know. But well, then, how are you going to instill it? I know. Well, I don't know. Do you mm. tell
0: war stories about how hard then, it was for you growing up?
4: Then you suddenly become an old person. Yeah, oh, you're okay. suddenly okay. talking about back in my day. Yeah, yeah. you can't do that. Um, so you
0: just take them to an overage trampoline place. You're right. <laughs> yeah, tra- <laughs> Yeah. No, apparently someone texted. Apparently they do have an area for under fives. Oh, Is it? But you're often covered in vomit. So. Oh, okay, okay, okay.
4: Well, that's just my... I've got a, also got a two and a half month old.
0: So you're often covered I'm co- in vomit. I'm co-
4: Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: but you used to go with your mum to work?
4: Is that... Oh, I, oh yeah. I used to go with my mum to, to... She used to come with me... She used to... Check up on me at work too, um, but yeah, she used to work, used to work several jobs. Um, how did
1: you know that? I don't know. It must have picked it up somewhere because yeah. it, it reminded me of because uh, my mum was cleaning and, I, would, and ah. I had this memory of like being in a bank. I'm like, I don't think I should be in this really? bank. Like, <laughs> I'm too, I don't have security clearance. But you here. know, what? how old would you have been? I was very young.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think same. My mum used to do. She was, she did do some cleaning, but she also worked as a kitchen hand, uh, like spotless cat i'm just plugging brands she, <laughs> like, she had the mcg to the art center and um we used to, and, and, and flemington race course as well uh one time well yeah we were there at the melbourne cup and we watched all the races and, <laughs> and she just left us like she necessarily had to just leave us there we would just be hanging out with just people getting drunk and yeah. sitting around gambling. And, yeah, gambling and on picnic mats and People would make friends with us and would just be kind of pretend betting on horses and exactly. we, we used to watch football games through you know like benign neglect. Yeah, it's exactly. But you know what? I was I was listening to something about parenting and apparently younger parents uh, raise better kids because they necessarily can't be with them as much. They can't be as present. So it's called like. Um, beneficial neglect.
0: Right. So the less it, that attention... That sounds like a convenient excuse, yeah, doesn't tough, it?
4: Like, so I'm probably mischaracterizing the whole idea. <laughs> but being too good a parent is not good for your kid. Because <laughs> yeah,
0: they awesome. don't
4: think for themselves. So, yeah, basically, maybe I should just pay less attention. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Send
0: them to bounce on their own today. <laughs> Exactly.
4: Yeah, yeah I'll catch you later. See you in seven. <laughs> totally.
0: Uh, now, this this
1: show, uh, what's its history? Oh,
4: well, I... um. I was, I, was, I was afraid you were going to say, what's it about? No. Whew, thank God. Um,
1: no, uh, well,
4: the history is that I've, I started uh, trying to do this show in 2019 and um, I had material about bushfires and, right. <laughs> and just stuff. It was Skyman went to Hawaii, all that sort of stuff. And, yeah. Um, obviously, I had to go in the bin. Um, but, um, now it's just, it's just been, it's, it, my shows tend to just be a mixed bag of stuff yeah. that is funny at the time I'm doing the show. Yeah. So I, this, this current iteration started in Adelaide, um, at the Adelaide Fringe Festival, did a couple weeks there. Um, and then Melbourne, 22 shows and Sydney, Brisbane, Perth, and, um, I, I tried in Hobart, but that... Didn't work for COVID reasons. So. Right. Yeah,
1: um, how do you uh, archive or retire material? Do you, d- does it just live in your head somewhere? or Lives in, the,
4: in in my head and in some people's vague memories. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> People uh, often tell me the, the jokes that I do really badly back to me. Yes. But it sometimes sounds better.
1: <laughs> have you ever resurrected material?
4: Well, well I, uh, I, I plan to record uh, a, an hour of my stand-up sometime this year. Which will be a way of retiring that material for good. Um, Well, you'd think because arrogantly that means you can't do the material because everyone's seen it yes um, but so they say, yeah, say it, doesn't they though, I huh? yeah, it doesn't stop Seinfeld so, I think yeah I know it doesn't stop most or all comedians um, you know like not doing a joke ever again that you know works on an audience is a hard thing to do Like yeah. imagine standing in front of an audience and a, and a gig not going that well and you've got material that you know would kill but mm, you're yeah. oh but or I've retired principle. that yeah yeah, yeah exactly mm. because everybody's seen it everyone's familiar with my work <laughs> you can't <laughs> <laughs> you can't retire material, I don't think.
1: Um, and what about politics? Where are you at uh, in terms of comedy about yeah, you took well, your well, scoma politics? Hawaii, like, Well, I've screw just it.
4: renewed my Young Liberals membership. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, politics is like, uh, you know, I I try not, I probably, because the caravan moves on. Okay, it does move on, and I think it's like talking about politics specifically, mm. and um, uh, gets. I don't know. I'm I'm not as excited about that. Ex- more so than I'm talking about like, I guess broader themes. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um uh,
1: what about uh, did you go to Sri Lanka? Or, yeah, we went yeah. to Sri
4: Lanka um when in 20 well, 2019 actually. Yeah, I did a lot of stuff in 2019. Um we recorded a podcast for Audible um where uh we got to go and Basically, just try and uh, figure out my Sri Lankanness uh, in advance of my son asking me questions about it. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, I came back with more questions than answers. But uh, yeah, one thing I'd, I'd note is that if you are trying to um, get into you know world heritage site, like the I'll try to go to this place called Sigiriya. Right. Have you ever been to Sri Lanka? No. Beautiful place. It's um anyway, there's this bu- there's this place called Sigiriya, which is um this old car castle that this king you know i'm gonna talk about it really badly but two queues to get in a yeah. local queue and a mm-hmm. foreign queue. if you're a local you pay about five cents yeah if you're a foreigner you pay about 50 us dollars Anyway, i was there with this producer james white guy and um he was like let's line up and i said no worries and so i got in the local queue and he's like what are you doing good for you i was like i'm a local and yeah. he pointed it up you know and he's like you're not from here I said, well Firstly, why do white people always have to tell brown people we're not from here, like even here, all right? Just let me line up. You go to your white queue. And he went in his white queue, I go to my queue. front of the queue... The guy started speaking to me in Sinhalese, and I can uh, barely speak Singalese. Yeah. Mm. And so all I said back to him was whatever he said, I just said one ticket please in a Sri Lankan accent, and he said that's an Indian accent. And I said no, it's not. And then he said go to the tourist. Oh. I said come on, it's just full of white people. And he said what's wrong with white people? I said, uh.
0: You're right. You were called <laughs> racist. Yeah. yeah I was like, I've made
4: a whole career of this. So <laughs> anyway, he just uh, said, he said come on. Well, the fifty US dollars. I said thirty-five, and he said you're a bloody day to- guy. <laughs> Maybe you are Sri Lankan. Anyway, no, no. Um, but I tried to
1: haggle, but I had to pay the full thing. Oh, uh, so right. I wonder if your son will try that on at the. Uh, We're just trying to get upgraded <laughs> to the five-year-old trampoline yes. today.
0: <laughs> but yeah,
4: if you're gonna try it. Try to get into these places. In Sh- practice your Sri Lankan accent.
0: Yes. That's good for Daniel and I to know, actually. Yeah, we'll do that.
4: Uh, I've never felt more foreign or like less Sri Lankan in my life, you know. Mm, <laughs> Than in Sri Lanka yeah. in that moment. People have told me to go back to where I came from here,
1: but that hurt more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, where is this show?
4: This show is at the Chapel of Chapel. Uh, off-chapel. Chapel off Chapel. Chapel um, off Chapel, which is uh, off Chapel Street. Mm. Um, Gorgeous venue. It's so, and, and uh, this is where I did. Uh, Amir and I, Amir, Rahman and I, we did a show called Fear of a Brown Planet. Mm. And back in 2010 or 2011, we actually recorded a DVD. That's the only other special <laughs> of, uh, from the f- public friendly that I... We recorded a, a special at the Chapel of Chapel and it's on DVD somewhere. Yep. And uh, it was the most beautiful, beautiful venue, beautiful staff and experience. Mm. And yeah, it's sort of come back. It's the first time I've actually performed there since.
1: What a great um, night that's going to be.
4: Should be really fun. And... You know, I think there's there's something really fun about the the Melbourne Comedy Festival, but it's also quite chaotic. And if it, it, there's shows, but mm. it doesn't feel like an evening out. Yes. You know, because the show quick pack up the show. There's another show coming in. Everyone yes. in, everyone out. Whereas this is just like you all can, you. It's all it's all me, and it's all the audience. Like you can come, take your time, yeah, relax. Uh, watch the show and chill out. Plan
1: your whole evening around this centrepiece show. Around me. (laughs) Yes, that night. Make it a Nazim night. (laughs) That's right. Okay. Well, who's saying that? It's on at Chapel Off Chapel in a special one-off encore performance this Saturday, June 25 at 8 p.m. For more information and tickets, please go to chapeloffchapel.com.au and what a great pleasure to have with us Nazim Hussein. Thank you very much.
4: Triple R on FM digital online and via the app.
1: So news came out yesterday that Billy Joel's coming to Australia for one night only at the MCG on December 10. Uh, Apparently it was a brain thought of Michael Godinski. I was just going
0: to ask you for that. Yeah, okay. (laughs) It just had all the workings of it.
1: Yeah. Uh, And so Frontier Touring's making it happen, 70,000 ticket concert. Now he's 73, Hmm. was last here shy 10 years ago. Okay. Uh, so maybe he'd come back. But it, sometimes a lot of these, the pull of seeing an act like this or seeing anything like this would be, will this be the last time? Mm. Uh, will it be the last hurrah, the last chance you get? Billy Joel has a residency at Madison Square Garden, <laughs> the only artist to have a residency yeah, ever there. Yeah, that's more of
0: a Vegas thing. I
1: yeah, it's he's there every month and um, Madison Square Garden announced so he's done 84 monthly shows and it's just – it's a big deal in New York, the mm. fact that he has a residency there. Anyway, coming to the MCG. Uh, it's, it's, it's always <laughs> weird to, as an incentive, bring someone out or, or so, go see something because it might be the last time. Because they might die. I might die. <laughs> you know, I might have a falling out with my bandmates. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's – is that something that you'd be interested in
0: going to see him? Mm. Well, now that you've framed it as the last time, I'm yeah. sure. Well, you know. I mean,
1: he doesn't need. So it's a state government initiative as well. So the, obviously the dollar sign was huge.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: it's it just seems unlikely that he'd be back.
0: Yeah, and the one time, the one the one time only that it's not a tour is really interesting. That's really rare. Mm. Uh, have, you se- have you seen
1: anything in the MCG?
0: No, I was just thinking that the only time—I mean, I went to the Anzac Day match, and I think Lime Cordial played off in a little side stage. Mm. I've never, but I've never been to the grand final. I never saw Meatloaf, um, <laughs> and I've never been to just like a standalone gig there. Yeah,
1: uh, it is interesting. The biggest crowd at the MCG ever. Do you want to take a guess?
0: 101.
1: Well, okay. It was, uh, it was
0: for. Oh, what was it for? Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Let's start. Paul there. McCartney. No, it was for Billy Graham, mm. the evangelist.
0: Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, of course I went to that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, so what year was that? I think that was maybe – it was 1959 and I think it's the biggest crowd ever recorded there, 130,000 people. Wow. Mm. That's a lot.
0: That's hard to top.
1: Exactly. It would be weird – if it was like can you imagine like a Catholic service or of like how long it would take to get communion <laughs> <laughs> they're all wet
0: yeah it's like the people going down like the pie cellars going down the aisles but it's just full of hosts
1: <laughs> wafers and red wine hot bodies <laughs> get your sacrament uh, so yeah there were people spilling out in the grass it was unheard of at the time uh, it's still the biggest crowd to ever be there i the three tenors were at the MCG. I'd, oh, wow. From reports, I don't think it was a terrific uh, audio experience. No,
0: and I think I think my parents saw, that's why I saw maybe Paul McCartney at the G, or they went, I remember they went to see a big international person years and years ago, and they said the sound was terrible. That was my, it's much better now. hmm but that was my resounding memory of music. And I, it makes sense. It's this huge open air. Like, there's no acoustics to speak of. Yeah. Uh,
1: but when you go to a ground Now and you hear the uh, sports gambling advertisements or whatever, yeah. and it's so penetrative, my first instinct was like, okay, it's Concert Game has stepped up. Yeah. <laughs> I think I saw U2 maybe at Marvel. Or...
0: Oh, yeah, the stadiums. Yeah. But those ones that have a closed roof. Yeah. A safer. Uh
1: what was uh, very amusing about that show was uh, Bono lifted like had some balloon or something and he was like raising it and I don't know what it was symbolic of. Um but it poverty. was like a, sorry. Poverty? Yeah, poverty. And uh, it was a poverty balloon. <laughs> and so he raised the poverty balloon and it was and it was like supposed to be, you know, obviously sentimental or affecting or moving. Anyway, the crowd just grabbed the balloon and <laughs> tore it to the ground. Oh, no. And st- stomped on Bono's poverty balloon. Uh, but that's just the nature. I mean, these big, big events. So what else is the MCG hosting? Uh, they've got Ed Sheeran in March, Guns N' Roses, it's December
0: that, 3. That'd be a Gidinski thing as well, Ed yeah. Sheeran, surely. So is it just becoming more a venue now? Which is interesting.
1: Well, certainly over this period after September, uh, there's a – was Michael Jackson at the MCG?
0: When he flew over everyone in his jetpack? Excuse me? My cousin went to see him when I was, I was young. She was, and I remember her talking. I think he used to – there was a series of shows he did in the 90s where he wore a jetpack and, like, flew over the crowd. Was it him? Yeah, it was him. Do you reckon? Oh, I think so. I guess it was, if he's going gonna... to... No, it was pre-blanket days. So,
1: oh, yeah, I was going to go with slanket. <laughs> yeah, all right. So uh, Michael Jackson, MCG, in a jetpack, and
0: then... Oh, there you go. Someone texted. Someone saw, saw him at the G. They haven't mentioned the jetpack, though, but he did perform there. In
1: 1996. Okay. There yeah, go. right. That How would I... have been the
0: history, history tour. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: I was thinking about just also on Last Hurrahs, because uh, you know that... Year 12 breakup song That everyone I mean it's what Vitamin you, C song Which one?
0: Vitamin C As we go Oh, oh yeah
1: <laughs> what, what else is in your top five? Well that
0: was one Yeah I think when I graduated Primary school We had um, Lean on me
1: Really? Yeah Isn't the whole idea That everyone's buggering off And you can't <laughs> lean on me <them> anymore? <laughs> Can I lean on you? Who's this? New number Who dis mon? <laughs>
0: Oh, absolutely everybody. I think it was just like, oh, what songs are cool at the yeah. moment?
1: Uh, I remember I Just Want to Wish You Well.
0: Oh, yeah, Bernard Fanning.
1: Yeah, which upon reflection is a uh, last hurrah song about breakup sex.
0: Yeah, it's good for of 12-year-olds to sing that as they <laughs> head know. off into their high school days. The last hurrah thing is, is important. I think if that spurs you into action, it's good. I remember um, years ago when I was, re- I was reviewing gigs... I got, a, I was, and I just met, I just met Will, so nine years ago or something. And Will and I were on a date and I got a call from the editor of the paper I was writing for, or the publication. And he said, two questions. Are you a Paul Simon fan and are you free right now? And I was like, I do like Paul Simon much to um, Bear Hornsby's discussed, yeah. who is our program manager. And then, but I looked across the table at this guy I just met and I really liked him and I said, oh, what, what's happening? He said, well, I'm meant, to be, I'm meant to be there reviewing the gig, but I can't – something's come up and I just can't get there. You know, do you want to go? The word limit will be, like, reduced. You, you know, we just need something. And I said, oh, I'm really sorry, I can't go. And now I don't think I'll ever see him because he'll probably yeah, – how old is he?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and so what does Will think of this? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I Yeah, he probably is like that. Paul Simon's just- 80. Oh, I'm absolutely not seeing it. Mm. Yeah, I know. So I think about that a bit. Things I saw, uh,
1: all of these people that I've seen, all of my celebrity stories now, they've all been cancelled.
0: Oh. So. <laughs> like you really wanted to go see Rolf Harris. I was. Not
2: that thing.
0: <laughs> but I saw,
1: not quite cancelled, but I saw. I, I, okay, I remember I was at a venue in Paris and I saw. In the crowd, so he wasn't performing, but it was Will Smith, okay? And now that story is like, has all this other loaded stuff with Mm, it. mm. Uh, I saw Bill Cosby at the Apollo, okay, it's (laughs) gone. I saw Alec Baldwin on the streets of New York. Come on! I've I've got the the kiss of death over here.
3: Melbourne's Own. Triple R.
1: Chloe Hooper is the best selling author of The Arsonist, A Mind on Fire, novels, a child's book of true crime and the engagement, and The Tall Man, Death and Life on Palm Island, which won the Victorian, New South Wales, West Australian, and Queensland Premiers Literary Awards, as well as the John Button Prize for political writing and a Ned Kelly Award for crime writing. Her latest book is Bedtime Story, which explores her quest to find the right words to tell her son about his father's illness. And to uh, tell us about it, the acclaimed author joins us now. Chloe, welcome to Breakfasters.
3: Hi it's lovely to be here
1: it's really special to have you um you're uh you know we all hear about being bad patients you're not a particularly good patient partner
3: no well i mean I, I tried. <laughs> I tried hard but uh um you know there there were moments where I would um take my my partner to an appointment and sort of have a fight with the doctor and that that isn't good <laughs> but um <laughs> You realise quite early that you need the doctor to like the patient and their support person. Yeah. Isn't that annoying? It is annoying. Um, And also I, I remember at one point Don saying he was. He noticed people treated him differently, the doctors treated him differently when they realised that he could speak in a complete sentence. And so, you know, there there can be this sort of strange experience too that, um, you know, if you don't yourself have a medical degree, you're, you're treated sort of as though you might be, you know, slightly sub-intelligent. So, you know, that was a kind of could create some punchy moments. But yeah. having said that, Melbourne is an amazing place to get... Um, you know, a bad, sick. a bad illness. Yeah. And, um, you know, as we went through our quest, we also found incredible doctors who, thank God, mm. actually saved, saved my partner Don Watson's life. Amazing. Uh,
1: now I was reading this and uh, the pages are all tear stained uh, <laughs> now. But that's with happy tears. Well, it's, it's, it is happy tears. I mean, it's, it's not just, it's not because it's sad. It's because it's incredibly moving. Did uh, what challenge did you set yourself as a writer, and is that different from the challenge you set yourself as a partner and mother?
3: Well, it's I guess that that um, sometimes taking a taking a notebook into a, a really tricky situation can be a form of of protection. I mean, mm. a lot of people write diaries, but I guess if if you've um, worked at any you know in any way as a journalist, do you know that you can go into some pretty tough places um, emotionally or geographically and that that notebook um, you know can be your shield in a way Mm. Um, and I think there's something to you know I'm I'm writing about children's literature a lot and there's a there's a point at which if you actually can describe the monster uh, you might be able to put it in a cage and so um, I think that that helped me get through this experience and find ways to talk to our kids about their dad's illness as well.
1: Did you find some unusual rabbit holes that you didn't expect yourself to go down?
3: Absolutely. Um, And, you know, I mean, rabbit hole is the perfect way to describe it too because, you know, the birth of children's literature almost happens with Alice in Wonderland. Mm. And I I found that... um, you know, the books we read as kids, if we were lucky enough to have books put in front of us or had access to, to books, um, some of those stories kind of wire us in a way. And it's almost as an adult rereading that you realise how important those narratives were to you. And, um, you know, you think you've sort of put away childish things, but actually they're, they're still in us and they offer consolation and surprises and and you know often a lot of wisdom
1: Mm. the do we run the risk I personally do of uh, romanticizing uh trauma and the uh, achievement and success that can be born from that sometimes and creative achievement
3: uh that's interesting I mean I think that you know Look, a big part of of writing this book for me was, um, you know, when darkness arrives at your house, how you respond to it. But and um, I think when you've got kids, you try very hard to, you know, keep things um, in a in a primary coloured palette. And actually. Um, Recognising that you can't stop the dark coming in, mm. uh, the monster, you know, you know, will tap on the window and and find a way into the house, and that is life. So I mean, uh, you know, we kind of, in a way, we um, silo trauma off, but trauma is just a part of life, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and um, we need other words to describe it. Mm.
1: What about humour? Uh, is th- the book is also I hesitate to say funny, but I
3: think... Well, thank you. I mean, I, I, I hope that it is because, uh, you, you know, I, I mean, a kind of, you know, dare I say it, gallows humour, yeah. you know, is how you get through some of these these moments. I mean, if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. Mm. And um, I think that for, you know, I mean, Don was a, uh, you know, wrote, wrote comedy. Mm. I mean, he's very... Very funny man, and uh, luckily, um and so you know I think that was a kind of distancing mecha- i mean a joke is often a distancing mechanism, isn't it? and yeah. it's sort of uh, psychoanalytic heart mm. and and you know that's that was a way of um, you know maybe. You know the monster stops in its tracks just slightly.
0: Yeah. What was his... if you tell a bad joke? <laughs> <laughs> what was um his his reaction to you writing this book? Did you run it by him, or were you going to do it regardless of Look, I, permission? I... <laughs> yeah, that's right.
3: Um, I think that there was a moment which I feel is is our sort of high noon moment of who is going to pick up, um the the pen and shoot first, and I um, I had him at a disadvantage. <laughs> Uh, now, the is he
1: sharing the same room again, or is he still siloed somewhere else?
3: No, no, we're we um yeah, no, no. It's a, you know, the cold nights at the moment.
1: Yes, I mean because the 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 honesty, um, you know, even you described on as still radioactive, uh, you know, because the the bedclothes smell metallic.
3: Well, the, after chemo, um, you know, that's the the few days after chemo, the the the, the person who's been going through that treatment is actually radioactive, yeah. and you're given a kind of long list of things that you're meant to do, including, you know, putting their, washing their dishes separately in the dishwasher. Hmm. Um, but, you know, as I say, our kids just want it to be all over their dad. Yeah. And... Um you, you, it's, it's like a thriller when you go through, I mean, to sort of pick a narrative genre out of the air mm. when you go through an experience with someone who has a potentially fatal illness, you mm. don't know how that, what the ending will be. Yeah. And you don't want to stop your kids, you know, um, you know, reading a book with their dad in, in the sick bed, but mm. yeah, know that, that, you know, spoiler alert, um, uh, we're, we're back in the same bedroom
0: yeah illness is, is unpredictable and the timelines can change so much how did you go setting yourself a deadline for a book like this
3: well um, I'm a professional of course <laughs> no 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 I'm, I uh, look I think that they just take however long they take and mm. and each book um, it's interesting it kind of teaches you how to write it um one of the things that I love the most about this book is is the illustrations inside and the sort of visual surprises because um, it's a kind of ode to children's literature as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a real pleasure, working with two of the greatest, you know, um, in, in Australia's um, children's book scene, Anna, Anna Walker, and, who's done the illustrations, and Alison Pol- Colpoy, who has um, designed the book, and... Um, you know that that took its own sort of time as well, but um, you know also once you sign a, a book contract, that's uh, that that hurries you along. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh,
1: you note that in the book that
0: uh, for all no, of no, him... I,
3: I'm going to just I mean you know when it's when someone's sick, it's expensive as well. Mm. Um, you yeah, know, that's sort of you're not meant to sort of talk about that, but um, it's very
0: like an unemotional. I I, knew thing. I had
3: to keep on working. Mm. Mm.
1: Uh, say so you're right that for all of human history, say for a few generations in a few rich places, children have lived up close with death, probably not so much now. Well,
3: well it's interesting, isn't it? Now we're living, you know, in pandemic times yeah. again mm-hmm. and there are a lot of people dying each day in in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I wonder whether or we're not... shifting a bit. Well, I wonder if that was a very kind of fortunate 100 years, which... Um, you know, that we had this sort of medical miracle of the mm. 20th century and, yeah. and we'll see.
1: Mm. And, and do, you, uh, do you hope or suspect that maybe this book might help?
3: Uh, well, look, of course you hope it will help. I mean, I, I think um, one of the things I confronted in the book was my own phobia about having these conversations with with kids about mortality, our children, and and actually realising and, and then not wanting to have it with myself. And I think that... Um, what I've realised is once you do start to talk to children openly about this, they are, you know, natural philosophers. They want to be invited into a conversation about life's biggest mystery mm. and also it's a way of actually sort of talking about how, how do we lead our best lives and that's a, a rich conversation and an important one to have with with children and, and as adults.
1: I want to ask you about your son perhaps saying... Uh, the, the point of life is to look back and count up all your adventures and if you're lucky you get to a high number. <laughs> Do you reckon that's in the ballpark of something maybe true?
3: Yes, I, I, I think it is. I mean, I, I, you know, he, he said that as a – I think he was six or seven. So, um, you know, I think there's like a, the idea of getting to a high number I mean, maybe we don't need to sort of, like, you know, be competitive about
0: how many – What's have you got to over 100 yet? I mean, also, define adventure. You could get to heaps if it's just as exciting as cooking something yum. Yeah, well,
3: for him it was like um, driving in the car at night. And, you know, you really – I mean, that was the sort of – when you're in this sort of cauldron, I think that um, everything becomes very vivid. Mm. And so – you know, you, the the colours in the garden are brighter, and uh, for for me also just noticing small things. How excited that she, like it was it amazing for a kid who hasn't driven in a car at night before. It's like a light show. It's incredible, you know. And that's just we take that for granted. How. Yeah how strange and beautiful that is. Yeah.
1: Well, I, we can't thank you enough for writing this book. Uh, it's really uh, beautiful and moving and I yeah, I had to sh- shield my reaction in public. Uh, <laughs> well, but as I say, it's not because it's grim or anything. It's just because it's...
3: It's a bit of all of the above. It's promotion. a bit of and all of the okay. above. Yeah, that's okay.
1: Exactly. Uh, who is your favourite children's author or if you had to...
3: Oh look, I, I I'd find it hard to um, choose just one, mm-hmm. but um, I, I guess I'm sort of you know grateful for the, the the pantheon and actually that we can all kind of go back in there and um feel feel a kind of um you know that that shelter because often it takes us back too, to to uh, an experience of of reading with somebody we love.
1: Yeah. Uh, and do you are you a good bedtime reader? Do you back yourself? <laughs>
3: Um, I have – well, I've got a problem with sometimes too much expression oh. and that can sort of – you know, that <laughs> yeah. can piss off the, the listeners. you got to let the story Doesn't, speak for
0: itself <laughs> or something? gets them too awake <laughs> <laughs> to go to sleep. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah.
3: you don't want, they don't want the tension of my sort of, you know, bad acting. You're putting too much sauce on it. Yeah, <laughs>
1: right, rein it in. Okay, well, Bedtime Story is out now via Simon & Schuster we've been fortunate to speak with uh, multi award-winning author Chloe Hooper. Thanks, Chloe.
3: Thank you so much.
5: Triple R. I'm hungry, I want something to eat Something with
1: a crunch and very sweet Cabbage connoisseur Michael Harden's here for our food interlude Morning Michael Good morning,
5: how are you? Yeah,
1: we're really, really good I think mm-hmm. um, But I am, you know, I think you've got your work cut out for you What, what are we doing today?
5: Well, we're talking about cabbage and I kind of knew there was going to be a bit of an uphill battle with you, Daniel. You Mm. know, it's like, you know, you've got your thing against iceberg lettuce. I have an idea that you're sort of a little bit bit phobic about leafy greens at the best of times. Not enough um,
0: roughage in your diet, Daniel. Right, okay. No, fair cop,
5: fair cop. There's rocket
1: on pizza occasionally.
5: (laughs) Yeah, but I was sort of like, you know, given that, um, you know, there was all this outrage about, you know, cabbage being put on burgers instead of lettuce because lettuce is so expensive Mm. That being said, cabbage is going up in price as well. Of course. Um, not as expensive as lettuce just yet, but it's still, it's still going up. But I was thinking it's probably, you know, cabbage is one of those things that it has got a really kind of poor reputation in like literally and figuratively. It's sort of like it's kind of associated with poverty. Um, you know, it's sort of like you've got that whole thing of like anybody in literature that ever talks about, a, you know, a, going into a poor house and it's like the smell of cabbage in the air <laughs> and, right. you know, and sort of things like Lewis Carroll talking about, you know, the different uh, cabbages and kings. And so mm. you've got, you know, the, from one extreme to the other. But it's um, it's actually a really amazing and versatile um, vegetable and it's been around forever. It's sort of like it's been around documented sort of 3,000 years that people have been cultivating. It's sort of like there's evidence of it in Mesopotamia and in ancient Egypt, and it's across all cuisines. It's sort of across the world, African, European, Asian, South American, everybody uses cabbage. And um, and I think it sort of doesn't get recognised as well because a lot of the time it's not a hero ingredient. It sort of it tends to be sort of in the background. Because, you know, anybody that likes a dumpling, Chinese dumplings or any kind of dumplings, mm. Um, you know, you've got – there's cabbage in there. It's sort of like it's doing some work in the background and stuff. Mm. Um, So it's sort of like it's always there. Like you look at things like kimchi, you look at sauerkraut, you know, all of those sort of things. It's it's such a versatile vegetable. It's sort of like you can ferment it, you can steam it, you can boil it, roast it, saute it, braise it, and then you can eat it raw as well. So it's kind of like it's something that kind of really – and it's in – as I say, it's in all cuisines. So it's one of those things. The smell is – a problem if you, but, but that <laughs> comes from overcooking. Mm. So if you boil a cabbage, it's going to it's going to stink because it's sort of it's got um, it has. Um Sulfurs in it, um, which are particularly are hydrogen sulfide. So when the, the longer you cook it, the more those sulfides come out. So it's that rotten egg kind of, you know, sort of that's the polite way of putting, it, but it fart smell yeah. basically, <laughs> old socks, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And you can just you, you don't need to cook cabbage for that long. So mm. you, it's sort of things like you could cooking it quickly is one of the things you can also put a bit of vinegar in the water Mm -hmm. if you are boiling it um, to sort of stop that. But most of the time it's sort of like cabbage is best cooked um, really quickly and in small amounts so if you're wanting to to braise a cabbage for example you can put it in um, you cut the cabbage up into wedges you cut it through the core so that the core holds it together you don't want to cut the core off and then you can like dip it like blanch it really quickly in hot water sort of dip it in a few times and then it'll be pretty much cooked there so mm. and you do that without the without the smell so um, and also it's kind of like you know you can do it just with with raw cabbage you can just just um, toss it with vinegar and um, a little bit of salt, like before you're doing, say, coleslaw or whatever. Just um, salt it and vinegar it before you toss it with everything else, um, and then kind of you can you can rinse it off a little bit and then just re-season it and use it in a salad that way. So it's um it's fairly it's fairly versatile.
1: What about colors? Do you have a preference, or does it not matter?
5: Doesn't really matter. Um, the the flavors aren't hugely different. There's sort of like there's There's several different types of cabbage, but um, you know, so you've got your more loose leaf ones like a Savoy cabbage, which is the sort of curlier leaves and it's Mm. a bit looser, lighter green, that sort of stuff. Um, Then there's the green cabbage, the sort of it's sometimes known as white, sometimes known as green, um, but that's the sort of ones that we all know. And then there's red cabbage Mm. as well. And so, flavour-wise, there's not a huge amount of difference to those. That's another thing you can do with red cabbage if you're cooking red cabbage with something, um, putting some kind something acidic in the water will keep the red flavour. Because a lot of the time, if you cook red cabbage, it goes a sort of it's sort of like a almost a brown mm. color. But you mm. can keep the red in it by cooking it with a bit of vinegar or chucking some apples in with the water or whatever, and it'll keep its color there. So mm. it's like it's those those two things.
1: So. Am I uh, out of line? In Polish food does that use a bit of cabbage? Every every cuisine, every Polish, cuisine. yeah, cabbage because rolls? The, and the,
5: in Europe, Eastern European, because the um, there's like. Russia is the... I oh no, China is the biggest producer of cabbage in the wow. world. But it goes China, Indi- uh, China, India, Russia, South Korea and Ukraine, which probably gives a little hint on why cabbage prices are going up. Yes. Um, so um, China has 48%, but Russia has the highest consumption. So And it's big in all Eastern European countries because it's one of the vegetables that will grow in quite cold temperatures as well. It quite, it quite likes the cold. And it also keeps... So it's sort of like you know, with a cabbage, you can have a cabbage for weeks in the in your fridge.
0: I have been so surprised opening the fridge and being like, I bought that. Yeah, last month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
5: but it's that—that's kind of one of the, and that's the why it is sort of like it's great. It is a it is food for people with not a lot of money because you know you can preserve it for a long time. So you know in your fridge, as long as you keep it a little bit moist, you keep it cool and moist, and it will last for weeks.
1: Yeah, is there so, another good example of uh, food that's been taken from the poverty column into the spruced up column, in the way that we're probably about to see with <laughs> cabbage?
5: Yeah there's probably a few things I'm just trying to think Russell of. Sprouts the... they, they had a, yeah, had well, a renaissance. Yeah, well sprouts are sprouts are like very Menu. like on all restaurants mm. menus now it's sort of like you know and they and again it's sort of like it's just a, it, it comes from a way of the way of cooking. You know, people sort of have these terrible memories of Brussels sprouts as being again because they're like little cabbages and they stink if they're overcooked. Mm. Um, but you know, sort of like you do the way they're doing them now is sort of like you're blanching them really quickly and then chopping them in halves or in quarters and then sautéing them, sautéing them, and so serving them with little lardons of bacon. And so,
1: what would be the justification for having a farty smelling cabbage if it's <laughs> if it's a sign of overcooking? What is there a defence of?
0: Well, surely in those cabbage rolls, they they seem to be cooked for a long time, but that's because they're just like a carrier. Yeah, yeah, for meat exactly.
5: And stuff. A lot of the time, it's sort of like you know you can be sort of boiling cabbage and stuff. You know, sometimes you do need to. So with things like you know Eastern European cooking again, it's like you know stuffing cabbage leaves and stuff like that. So they're a little bit blanched, but it's sort of like you're kind of cooking them in the. It's part of the process. It's mainly it's sort of like a long boil mm. that's going to give you that give you that smell. Like you, there's always going to be a little bit of smell when cabbage is sort of cooking but after a while like particularly if you're putting it in soups and slow cooking with meats and things like that it just kind of it just gets soft and you kind of lose the smell goes Mm.
1: Mm. is there a downside to too much cabbage
5: well you know (laughs) i mean
1: there's so when you say uh sauerkraut yes uh now gut health yeah now i've never seen. how come a sauerkraut jars are so big
5: well, because they're mainly eaten by Germans. And right. German, you know, they I've, can, ne-
1: I've never seen anyone get to the bottom of their sauerkraut jar.
0: Oh, my in-laws
5: do. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Got it.
0: <laughs> I see. All right. Yeah. yeah,
5: yeah. So, and, you know, it's sort of like... And then, you know, sauerkraut, sauerkraut's one thing, but, you know, I think the thing, again, that's, that's pumped it up a bit is, you know, kimchi is the thing, the condiment that you have to have mm. in your fridge at the moment if you've got kimchi in your fridge i don't um, have much in my fridge i don't, I don't okay. spend a lot of time at
1: home
0: just <laughs> he's just got an old and old he's an old lettuce that he's stockpiling <laughs> um but some some love for cabbage on the text line. i did i did giggle at this someone said cabbage is the best Economyaki, yum cabbage soup yes i'm single so
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah economyaki. Exactly. Yeah, it's sort of great it's like so it's in in a lot of japanese cuisine as well so you, Do you know, um, know
0: much about its health benefits i mean always it all yeah for you, it's, but- it's
5: it's it's full of um like you know there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of water in it. Ninety-two percent water, mm. um, and but it does have vitamin C, and um, and it's also been used. Cabbage has been used throughout the ages in medicinal, in medicinal purposes as well, sort of to put on burns and mm. for, you know various things like you know for, for gut health and that sort of uh, stuff. We've so.
1: heard about as you mentioned iceberg lettuce being phased out in favour of cabbage say for safer burgers and fast food joints. How would you prepare cabbage for a burger if you were going to do a homemade burger? as
5: would you just plonk yeah. it on? Or? No, no. I would, I would just you give it, a, give it a little treatment, like you know, give it the vinegar and salt treatment, just to sort of soften it a little bit, because it is harsh when it's raw. Mm. So if you cook it, you know, cook, it, you know, inverted commas, um, give it a massage. in a bit of a... Yeah, yeah the, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, speak nicely to it. <laughs> <you know? laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's that's the way I would do it. Just soften it up a little bit, you know, and I would probably maybe go the next step and, you know, make a coleslaw, yeah. you know, and sort of like put a bit of carrot in it and a little bit of a dressing on it and stuff, softer, juicier, delicious, and you'll never go back to it.
1: Yeah, right. Tomatoes. When you're talking about massaging the cabbage and then you go the next step, I was like, wait, where are we going?
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there'll be no happy ending with the cabbage. <laughs> yeah. All right, in
1: defence of cabbage. Michael Harden, thank you.
5: No worries. Triple R.
0: At 6.15 we were talking about Last Hurrahs. It's artists that you might go and see simply because it might be your last chance before they trip, they, what's the... Crook! Yeah, sure. I was going to say trip the light, fantastic, but that means to go out, doesn't it? Anyway, um, and I mentioned that I got a last minute invite to go see Paul Simon and to write a review for it. Mm. Uh, The editor called up and said, can you you do it? I can't make it, but, you know, go along, free tickets, whatever, and then write the review and, and... and I was on an early date with Will, who I'm now married to. Mm. So obviously I had good instinct there. But said, "Oh, I don't want to bail on this guy." So I said, "No." And Will was listening, and he texted and said, "I had no idea you did that. How stupid! Why did you do that?" <laughs> um, so it's that thing where I "So thought, you would have had one ticket?" Yeah, it would have just been. I mean, yeah, I didn't. I don't think it would have had a plus one for sure. Were you like that. at
1: the dinner as it was? Yeah, when we the just, offer came through. Yeah, it
0: wasn't like a. It wasn't like we would. We were established by then, I think, but it was early. Right, like in Chinatown or something.
1: Yeah, and so Will didn't even know that you'd martyred yourself.
0: No, because then if you say to someone, "Oh, I just got offered," they'd say, "Oh, go!" and then I'm like, "No." And I just was, I was in the zone.
1: Mm. (laughs) Have you? Did you investigate the show afterwards and go, you know, see the set list?
0: I think I read a couple of reviews and I was like, "Yeah, that would have been good." And now he's eighty. So
1: Yeah, so he's 70. Off
0: to Graceland soon.
1: <laughs> uh, so, So Beautiful or So What? Do you like that album? I don't know that album. Oh, right. Yeah, it came out in 2013, I think. It's oh,
0: right. That, well, that's when it was. That's when I yeah, was asked right. so that would have been.
1: Uh, so he played that.
0: It's a good thing I didn't go. I didn't even listen to the album. <laughs> Me and
1: Julio down by the school yard. Yeah. You would have enjoyed that, I suppose. <laughs> slip sliding away. <laughs> Look at what Will denied you. So now Will has to bear... Responsibility he didn't even ask for,
0: and he absolutely shouldn't. It was my own, you know. But maybe, yeah, maybe that's maybe he owes me.
1: I remember think so. that
0: time that I didn't get to go see. Yeah. Do you think
1: it was potentially a sliding doors moment? Like if you said, "I got to bail on the dinner, I'm going to see Paul Simon," and he was like, "Well, this mon is not worth. no good." Yeah,
0: I don't know. She'll
1: ditch me for a better offer at the earliest opportunity.
0: Yeah, well, that was a risk, I guess. Mm. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, I'm come from a long line of martyrs, and oh, I'm good. Uh, you know, I think I'm good. I think you have to be very convincing as a martyr. Like, say, for instance, if you're going to forego, I don't know, a chip or something or uh, food,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you have to be so convincing that you don't want it. Yeah. Slice of pizza, whatever. You have it.
0: No, no, I, I really
1: don't want it. So if you.
0: It's going if, in the bin. If
1: you don't have it, I'm putting it in the bin. So yeah. please. Now, you have to be that persuasive.
0: But then that's dishonest, isn't it? No, but
1: no one knows. You just know it in your heart.
0: So then, do you watch them eat it and see seething? No, I'm not <laughs> seething. No,
1: it brings me joy to see someone enjoy something, sort of unselfconsciously or anything like that. Mm. Uh, I, I also, when people martyrdom, say when people say I I worry about you. Oh, like I worry. Mm. So what? Well, what good is worry?
0: And and what should I do with that?
1: There's nothing you can do. Mm. Like it's, it's such a limp form of martyrdom. Uh, I'm concerned. Well, how can your action concern?
0: Well, I guess is it, but then it should be followed up by something. I'm concerned about you. Put that donut down.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Concerned for
0: you, you haven't slept in weeks. Oh, I'm concerned for you. Um, you know, so this should it should follow a reason, not just like I'm generally worried about you. It's like, oh, great, thanks. Well, now I'm just self-conscious. Now I'm worried about you worrying. Now I'm worried about me. Yeah, yeah. And it's just worry <laughs>
1: Exactly. Who needs it?
0: Um, it is a, someone did say Mon could now be married to Paul Simon. Yeah, well, that's true. Like, that's what usually happens.
1: <laughs> <laughs> have you have you ever dreamed about being pulled up on stage?
0: Never. I would hate that. Really? Yeah, I'd hate it. Like Courtney Cox star.
1: Oh, is that what Courtney Goggs did? Dancing in the dark. Oh right. With yeah. Bruce,
0: with, yeah. Um no, I'd hate it.
1: I used to fantasize get back getting pulled up on stage. And what would
0: you do? Dance? Well,
1: I was at a show look, yeah, dance it depends what the show is. I mean there was I saw a magic act once and I was like, I, I'm in the mood to get pulled up on stage oh, yeah, and I got yeah. pulled up. Oh and loved it.
0: Well, how did they did they cut you in half?
1: No, it was a it was a magic trick. But you just you play. I think I knew how they were doing it, or yeah. But I, I, I lied,
0: <gasps> like to
1: help. them. see, this this is another more martyrdom.
0: Yeah, and also as someone has, has rightfully suggested on the text line, maybe it's just dishonesty. Daniel suggested that it's not dishonest if no one else knows about
1: it? Knows about what?
0: Well, that's about you. But you like you know, actually secretly wanting the last piece of pizza.
1: Yeah, it's not dis. Oh, something dishonest myself, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Who- to that it works, but if you apply that general rule. Yeah, but minicky. like
1: if you are picking up someone from the airport or something.
0: Oh yeah, no hassle. It's not a big deal. I
1: was on the. I was in Tullamarine anyway.
0: Wanted to go to that Macca's actually. Yeah, I was on the way to Sexy Land. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, um, um, but the I know that Dave Grohl is famous for pulling people up on stage. Like people, so people will go to Foo Fighters gigs or whatever, and hold up posters that say, "You know, pull me up," and then legitimately good drummers or guitarists whatever will get up on stage and so you have to be ready you can't just you can't be all talk and no action because he says okay get up here and then they're really good oh yeah really which is great it's great entertainment but it's also yeah be be ready
1: oh because he'll do it i remember i saw the love tones at the birmingham hotel and the guitarist Came off the stage and was handing around the guitar, <gasps> wanting people to play. Mm. And no, the people I were with were not taking the guitar. And so I took the guitar and basically chopped the top of my fingers off
0: oh. <laughs> from shredding so hard. <laughs> from shredding yeah. so Shred hard. Shred Lord Daniel Burr.
1: <laughs> and so, like, had to was, – was basically had, like, flesh
0: dangling.
1: I'm like, I'm having such a good time. This rock and roll. This rock and roll, yeah. But, but that was my martyrdom.
0: Yeah, you did it for the – I
1: did it for the show. For
0: the fans. Yeah. Yeah. I did
1: it for
0: the, for the spectacle.
1: You step up.
0: My, yeah. Well, my biggest fear – I mean, not that it's a legitimate fear because I never, like, throw my hand up to get – I'm never at an event where it's really an option, I guess, to be pulled up on stage – um, but is what is happening to me is what someone said happening at an Enrique Iglesias show. What? He pulled an audience member on stage, danced with her for a moment and then bailed on her and left her shuffling alone on stage. <laughs> so she just had to... That's what I would think would happen to me, just there shimming away while he goes off and actually does his performance. That's not right. Someone needs to escort that person back off. He's like, here's your dance, Get back on the band Abandoned on stage. Yes. <laughs> Shimming to
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jim. Julio. Jim oh, Enrique. Julio wouldn't have done that.
0: Yeah, he wouldn't have. He is a chivalrous man. Exactly. There's no
1: way Julio would abandon (laughs) as lone up. And then what happens? You get like the Bugs Bunny big net. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get this dag into the wings. (laughs) Give him a complimentary shand on and send him home. This is humiliating. Uh, But I'm glad that Will uh, knows now.
0: Yeah, it's good. Mm. It's good to not have secrets in your marriage. Sure. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the,
1: the, you know, also carrying bags is another one.
0: Oh, I know. Isn't that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think giving giving lifts and carrying bags. Well, the other, not, Will has been known to, as well to sometimes, because I'm always the driver, mm. and especially now because he can't because he's in the cast, but um, to offer lifts to people when I'm driving. Oh, what position does that put you in? It's very hard. Oh, do you want to? Oh, it's not far. Yeah, do you want to lift home? We'll we'll just we'll do a little. And I go, and then and then he says, looks at me and says, that's all right. And then I go, well, I can't be the stone cold bitch. He says, no, it's not. And no. then so I have to say, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But I think Will still gets credit
0: as the nice guy, as
1: the thoughtful person exactly. offering the lifts. Mm. It's just that you're the. Uh, <laughs> y- you're the lunky who's, you my, know
0: My driver will take you anywhere Yeah,
1: jump in As long as it's not a Paul Simon gig We're good to go RR. RR. It's time to look back on this day With our regular historian Author Robin Anir. Morning, Robin
6: Hi How you doing? Yeah, we're good uh, Now, where are we going today? We're going back uh, to June 22nd, 1895, uh, when Australians were exercised with fear about the prospect of contracting a thing called bicycle face. <laughs> it, uh, it had just been diagnosed by a, uh, a biomedico in London who wrote widely on the hidden dangers of cycling. Um, particularly, he wrote for women. Now we were coming on. Of course, it was it was winter, and winter was the cycling season. Cycling had taken off big time just oh, maybe a year or so before, um, when the safety bicycle, which of course is tr- chain driven and had pneumatic tyres rather than solid ones, uh, took over from what had been the penny farthing uh, and um, and ex- its successes. So for up until then, it had been very much a male a male sport. And and hadn't really caught on popularly. So now, uh, now it was popular, and a lot of women saw this as their chance to, you know, have a bit of freedom and get away and and, and exercise and get out in the countryside and stuff. So uh, and, and be independent of uh, of of the fellows in their family. So this guy was really trying to clamp that down. I think he wrote a lot about women overtaxing their strengths and the sort of mental excitement and internal inflammation um, that might follow, as well as headaches, nervous collapse, that kind of thing. And he reckoned the symptoms, perhaps not so much the internal inflammation, but the rest, he reckoned it pointed to a cerebral and not a muscular cause. Um, And he he reckoned it was about the extreme instability of this two-wheeled machine, as he called it, uh, and the difficulty of maintaining equilibrium, one's balance, it was a sort of unconscious strain um, because you were trying to stop it from falling over, and this and it caused a serious, uh, sorry, a serious, careworn, strained look which the face assumes, and all the all the features would be pinched into the centre of the face. You'd grow uh, you'd grow lines, and your face would be either pale or overflushed. It could be either either could be a symptom, and uh, and you would get. You would look old and ugly before your time. Well, oh, right. that's the worst uh, thing to he, be. Of course, exactly. This is—he <laughs> figured that that this would speak straight to women. Um, <laughs> Clearly, uh, it caused. He, he says it caused a strain in a special brain centre in the back of the head. Uh, this incessant strain, and even when you were off your cycle, uh, your brain was straining to keep uh, keep your body's balance. And uh, and that was basically the end of you, and possibly as a cyclist, and certainly on the marriage market. Yeah, and so this was the story he was selling, Doctor Shadwell, of London. Do you think it would was
1: a like a tripwire? Like one day you've got bicycling face the next. Uh, one day you don't. Next day you do. Or is it a gradual? Yeah, thing?
6: no no this is this is pretty much what he was saying so he was he was very much telling a story of how carefree you are and how terrific it feels to be on a bicycle how free you feel and and life seems wonderful uh and and is wonderful and then one day you look in the mirror and your face is (laughs) <laughs> your face has gone to hell um, uh, so yes it could be sudden. and so of course this was this was uh, this well, this is what created the fear I guess because people would look at themselves and go I'm fine you know I'm having a great time and I'm still gorgeous uh, and then but the fear was that uh, that the next day they might not be and uh, the story went that this was even, even a more serious uh, risk in Melbourne uh, where it was the biggest city the most crowded so the most da- dangerous even then to cycle in uh, and of course we had tram tracks and so these tram tracks caused ang- uh, a level of anxiety which uh, made bicycle face all the more probable uh, this wasn't this wasn't dr. Shadwell telling us this but a local commentator um, and then there was the road to Geelong so people would go on a you know a day-long ride to Geelong and possibly get the tra- uh, the uh, train back um, but the uh, the road was such a shocker particularly the swamp road near footscray which had boulders about uh, 10 centimeters uh, in diameter the whole road road was composed of them that to ride across that once was said to potentially uh, be a cause of bicycle face um, and then you know you had, you had advisors like Zimmy who was Arthur Zimmermore, Zimmerman, Zimmerman. The world's champion sprint rider, he advised that if you just sat up straight on your bicycle, didn't lean over your um, your handlebars like a racer, if you sat up straight, which you see pictures of people doing, and now we possibly know why, if you sat up straight, that you would not get bicycle face. It was as if you know the force uh, the force of gravity would uh, would uh, your face pointing downwards would uh, make the wrinkles and uh, and I don't know and the anxiety. ugliness, yeah, the ugliness <laughs> gather
0: in one place. Yeah. Did they? So this was mainly directed
6: at women or only directed at women? Uh, it was mainly directed at women. I mean you could, th- 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 there were suggestions that you know men too, you know this look of anxiety you could read it on a man's face walking down Collins Street. It's a ha ha! He must be a <laughs> cyclist. Mm. Uh, but really the, it was it was the fans were very much, uh, the flames were very much fanned towards women um, and and uh, we, you know we had things like um, the, like the advertisers needless to say seized on it so we had not ad that was titled The Bicycle Face, the latest monstrosity you should watch this, uh, a wild and, and wide-open appearance in the eyes, strained lines about the mouth and a general focusing of all the features towards the centre. No, we don't want our girls' faces hardened or puckered. We want sweet, smiling, joyful faces, just like those which all children have who eat honest, delicious, life-saving, <laughs> strength-giving milk arrowroot biscuits. So there was your solution. Stay off your bike and eat milk arrowroot biscuits and, and life would be... <laughs> did not see that one coming.
2: Uh, and no, so, you didn't, did you? No. And so
1: the uh, tell us about bicycles at this point. I see Mulga Bill's bicycle was published in
6: 1896. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. That, so, um, that was right in the middle of uh, this heyday. Yeah. So
1: we've we've moved beyond it. You know. So w- what are they looking like? At
6: They're looking like bikes that we would recognise. They didn't have. They wouldn't have had gears. Um, uh, and uh, I think it was all foot brakes then, um, and a lot of bicycles also had this thing, I <laughs> know, my mum had one, um, which uh, was uh, fixed-wheel bicycles, so that when you were going down, the pedals went around of their own accord. You couldn't stop the pedals going around. You couldn't coast. So um, she got a bit of bicycle face out of that, I think, <laughs> when she used to go riding, because your feet would be going around like um, like, like a machine. Um, so there, were, there was that. There were fixed-wheel bicycles, um, the brakes, I think, were reliable, but yeah, foot brakes, And uh, but we would recognise them as bicycles. They were very heavy uh, and much heavier to manoeuvre than what we'd be accustomed to now. But yeah, certainly, the, there was talk about the pneumatic tyres causing health problems too. It was, pneumatic tyres were still a new thing on, on any vehicle then, and it was like, you know, can this be good for us? Like, it feels so good, it can't be good kind of thing. Um, Yeah.
0: Was there anything? I mean, obviously it was a lot of the motivation. It sounds like the main motivation for this was to get women, you know, off bikes and being pretty in the kitchen or whatever. But was there any any basis for it? Like, did they ever point to someone and say, "Here's an example of someone who suffered from it," or was it all just completely made up?
6: Oh, um, uh, Dr. um, Dr. Shadwell, you know, presented some so-called case studies, but you know, they could have been suffering from you know too much washing dishes or something you know it was just like you know they were um, they were not at their peak and it was all due to, to, to their, their foolishness uh, at um, at being on the bike but it wasn't just bi- I've got to say it wasn't just bicycle face so remember it, this was still seen as a fad it was very much in the fad stage and uh, and people were used to fads of this sort roller skating had been big about oh, 10 years before and it had lasted perhaps four or five um, winters and had had now faded out, and and from the talk, people were accept, expecting that bicycle riding might follow track the same path, um, which it didn't. It's uh, it's it's as popular today as ever. So uh, at this stage, the people were treating it as a fad, and the kinds of extremities and foolishness that people uh, tended to go to when something was just just newly popular. But and so other other ailments were uh, were I've got to say probably invented uh, mm-hmm. the bicycle hand, which was a, a disease from gripping the handlebars too tight and the vibration and uh, women were warned that it's a thing of ugliness your hand becomes flattened bulges out at the sides gets lumpy and out of shape and all the fingers become crooked you probably wouldn't be able to fit a wedding ring on one of those fingers um and there was also oh you could get appendicitis from riding bicycles oh, um uh there was bicycle hump um from leaning over those handlebars popeye i'm not sure what that was um cerebral was disease and there was um, the okay uh there was also the bicycle bob which wasn't exactly a disease but it was men uh, would be uh, would be would offend women folk uh, of their acquaintance because they couldn't raise their hats when they passed the women riding their bicycles um, because they needed both hands on the handlebars <laughs> and, uh, and 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 the women would get huffy so bicycle bob they would just bob their head but it was insufficient women took offense being women women took offense anyway and any man foolish enough to doff his hat to a lady would come down with a fud um, and never do it again amazing exactly that's what i
1: thought well i suppose good luck to all the uh gnarled and puckered cyclists with panda eyes and (laughs) and crow's feet or whatever going to the Commonwealth games (laughs) Uh, yes all right so bicycle face it was a thing but it's gone now uh robin and Uh, where were we just then (laughs) We're all beautiful now. We're, 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 we're 1895, we're talking, aren't we? Oh, 1895, I'm sorry, yes, yes, 1895. June, 1895. June 22nd. Yeah. Beautiful. Right Robert Anir, thank you. Cool, thanks. Woo! <laughs> ah, that's right,
4: triple R.
1: Felicity Ward is a comedian, actor and writer as toured her award-winning stand-up around the world, making untold TV appearances along the way and selling out her Edinburgh Fringe Festival season of Busting a Nut now. The Wakefield actor has returned to Australia for her first live date since 2019 to tell us about She's Back Baby live at the Athenaeum. The expat <laughs> star of stage and screen joins us now. Felicity, welcome to Breakfast, <laughs>
7: Thanks. I'm so embarrassed that I call my own show She's Back Baby, but it makes me laugh every time. Good, exactly. <laughs> That's a like, good word, yeah, idiot, mate. <laughs> um, she's back. I actually wanted to spell it baby Bebe, as in B E B E H. And ooh. my manager or my, my producer was like, oh, I think it's a bit confusing. I'm like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Yeah, right, okay. bridge
1: too far.
7: Yeah, <laughs> um,
1: a lot's happened, hasn't it? No,
7: nah, nothing. 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 Not much. Oh, uh,
1: and it, okay. So, pop through some of the things, and and and, do you always have your comedy brain on, or do you, is it something will happen and then in retrospect you go, okay, let's try and make that funny?
7: Um, or at least there's sometimes that you go. I don't think any amount of time will make that funny.
2: <laughs> exactly.
7: And then there's some things that immediately I'm like, yeah, There's. I mean I got sent this video. I, I won't say <laughs> of my son trying to say a Peppa Pig book saying Easter egg Hunt, oh, yeah. Beast two and a half. Okay. And he wasn't meaning to do it, but my God, is it funny? It is good. It's isn't just it? really good stuff. Yeah. Uh,
1: and do you make, uh, can you make children laugh pretty easily?
7: Oh, it's. Uh, th- I was very nervous about um, whether I could make my son laugh because when, when he was really young, um, I was filming Wakefield. I mean, he was nine weeks old. Mm. And so my husband was a primary carer and my husband would walk in the room and Frankie, my little boy, would just light up, right, and then I'd get home from work and I'd be like, it would be a ten-minute pantomime n- narrative arc, different characters, <laughs> and he sort of gave me, that's a three out of five. <laughs> <Not take> I <it. laughs> Damn! You yeah, haven't put in the hard yards. But now we're like best mates, cool. and he's okay. just such a goofball. Thank God, because you don't know what your kid's going to be like. Like, mm-hmm. there's there's nurture and nature. There's yeah. only so much of each that I think can happen. Mm-hmm. And the the older he gets, the more I feel like. I am just stopping him from dying but he is his own person yes. and I've got to be the best cheerleader I can for that person. That's
1: right. Are there any skills that you've observed so far? Or
7: um, He can recite whole books. Okay. He's oh. sort of like a – he sits down at daycare every morning and he just likes to start off the day by reading The Gruffalo. So he just sits on the uh, – and he doesn't read, he just recites it. But, he, yeah, I got that little note from daycare the other day that – um, that's how he, you know, just likes to bring in the day, sit down, bit of Julia Donaldson, I'm sure, a little, you know, decaf latte to kick things off. <laughs> and, um, you know, I mean,
1: yeah. It's, it's. Do you get updates during the day and how attentive are you to them?
0: Some of the updates can be intense, right? They give full reports and everything. Look,
7: here's a bit of dirty gossip. I don't know why I'm talking about this. We got, a, there's something called Ofsted in the UK, which is kind of like their governing body for... Um, teaching standards and we got an Ofsted report the day, the morning I was leaving for Australia. So I, I don't know, <laughs> that was like either an hour and a half ago or 72 hours, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, one of, one of those periods of time um, and got an absolutely scathing Ofsted report. So there's a lot of drama at the, um, at, we call it nursery over there. Yeah. A, a lot of mums WhatsApps group. They're having a meeting on Monday. It is kicking Sweet. off. Sweet, yeah, yeah.
0: Wow, and yeah. you won't be there. I know. Yes, that's good.
7: I don't know. I don't. I feel sorry for the people that work there because they're great. But mm. the why am I? Why am I just rubbishing? <laughs> <them>? <laughs> They're don't not listening. Hear. Don't worry. Are you telling me they don't listen to Melbourne community radio? <laughs> no, I
0: mean what if they're not? Are you telling good me the CEOs
7: of a nursery conglomerate in the UK aren't tuned Big in nursery. right now?
1: <laughs> I, what about um the accent and, and, and Australian stuff? I mean you're you're I don't know, not Quintus, you're Australian. I and, am Australian. And, and so and so uh, is there anything that we like are you now a bitter expat that uh you know you you're here and uh, that's we're so lucky to have you, but, you know, like you're successful over <laughs> Where there. Where is this and, going? <laughs> Well, I was saying, like I, I heard that you, you know, you you were rejected from three drama schools or whatever.
7: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a – come on. Well, uh, to be perfectly fair, this is the first year – so I came out here in February and just had a holiday for the first time because um, we hadn't been – obviously because of the pandemic, we hadn't been back for – me, 18 months because I came back to finish Wakefield and my husband and my son hadn't been back for two years – and I had an amazing time, but I, I think I was so homesick leading up to that trip back, I thought I just wanted to move home, like right. I just had to move home. And then when we got here, I went, oh, no, I just needed to visit. I really needed to visit. And I got home and felt really happy about being in London and we just bought, you know, a, a house slash a death trap. <laughs> and um, <laughs> But it's our money pit. Mm. <laughs> and um, and I, I was like, oh, I'm actually quite happy to be here. Amazing. Uh, and then I've just got all of these, uh, all of these auditions back in Australia. I'm like, come on, man, oh. come on, man, yes. just one or the other. Mm. You got to, you can't. And it's hard when you've got a baby. Yes, of course, it's really hard. This is, yeah. Do he, you, is there a guidebook?
1: Do you just say, hey, yeah. Adam
7: Hills, how do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I. I mean, I probably should get a little bit more peer support. I think it's different. This sounds sexist, but I think it's different for women and men too, about how they travel and, and away from their kids I only say this at, uh, I heard something the other day that when when you become pregnant um, and also that sounds transphobic so I, I take that back but when you become um, pregnant uh, the the baby cells goes into your body whether you know that pregnancy is carried out to term or not so you always have the baby with you mm. um, and I feel like I sort of gave birth to a walking part of myself. Yep. Mm. So when you leave that person, you're like, why would I leave my arm at home? Yes. I mm. yeah, can't no, do something. things without my arm. Yeah. And he's such a funny arm that mm. can't pronounce Easter egg hunt. Well, so I... you,
0: ba- back at work nine weeks, though, he said, when he was nine weeks old?
7: We all came out for that one, though. Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, okay. Look, it was... The, so the shows that I'm doing in Australia are an abridged version of what I'm meant to be bringing out. So the The aim was actually to do three different shows, one show on pregnancy, one show on birth, and then one show on being a new born parent. So, new porn parent. <laughs> that is a different show. It's <laughs> um. something I heard on an Easter egg. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's supposed to be three hour shows and I'm probably not supposed to say this on radio. I um, was supposed to be doing Sydney Comedy Festival and Edinburgh with these three shows and then I got a part on a TV show and I was like, well, sorry Catch guys. Ya. Won't be doing that. And so hadn't been doing any work on these shows and then like six weeks later they're like, we're really sorry. We've rewritten the part. We, we cannot no longer off a year no. and I was like, oh, okay. Um, so the show that I'm doing in Melbourne is like a stand-up from all three of the shows. Mm-hmm. So uh, the aim is that next year I'll come back with all three of the shows. So even if you see this show, it will be one of three hours. Yeah, So right. it's like a medley. That's it's right. It's very much the Bohemian Rhapsody.
0: It's it's prog
7: rock in comedy films. <laughs> it's form. Right. beautiful. Grease
0: mega mix of comedy. It's the, how dare you. <laughs> how dare you. I haven't seen it. I can only, you know, I'm just. <laughs> what, the Grease mega mix? Very much
1: like
7: the movie, but shorter, <laughs> just the songs. Uh,
1: and so is there anything in addition to doing shows that you like to tick off, like that you maybe rediscover with new eyes?
7: Um, as in being back here. Mm. Oh, There is just, I, I spoke to my friend who I'm staying with last night and he said, uh, you know, is there anything different you've noticed? And it's such a weird question to ask a friend, but also yes. Yeah. Um, Lemon myrtle is in every hand wash <laughs> right. and, my God, I miss it. It makes me so happy. I wash my hands. I'm like, oh, I smell like the bush. Oh. <laughs> And when I was, um, when third lockdown happened, and I know that Melbourne had the longest lockdown in the world, and I am not comparing, but I will say my husband and I both got COVID at the same time, and then he slipped a disc. We had a one year old, and then we went into the third lockdown in England in the middle of winter. So there were challenges, and he couldn't do any physical lockdown, uh, mm-hmm. like any physical childcare because of his back. He was just laid up on the ground. It was horrible. Anyway, Benjamin Law saw that I'd written something about it on Twitter and he said, what's your address? And I gave it to him. And he sent me over this body moisturiser and hand wash and they both smelt like lemon myrtle. They had lemon myrtle in it. And I just started crying Mm. when I washed my hand. I'm like, I really miss those smells. (laughs) Yeah. Lemon
0: myrtle.
7: Yeah. i got to get
0: on it. It's, well, it's not. You probably are without knowing. exactly. Yeah, exactly.
7: It, unless it's like a, a palm olive. Yeah. It's, if it comes in a brown bottle, there's probably a bit of lemon myrtle mm. in there. Yeah. A uh, bit of waddle, a bit of something from the bush. Have you gotten, do you think, more emotional? About, I mean, just in life, I or, can always get more emotional. Yeah, yeah. I am but, on antidepressants, though, no, so sure. I'm
1: less emotional. Uh, but in, you know, sentimental even, or, or oh
7: yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, definitely since having a kid too. I, I'm, I've always been very easy to cry. I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm a romantic. I'm very sentimental. Um, And, uh, yeah, always have, like, this fantasy of what Australia is, which Mm. sometimes it lives up to and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And it's very strange. I've lived in the UK for nine years now and when I'm here, that's home and when I'm there, this is home. Mm. So it's this – I'm sure lots of expats around the world can sort of relate where you – even though you feel like you're a part of where you live, there's this concept of home that's a little bit elusive. Yeah, and there are places that you feel like you're nearly there, and then, but there, there's never one spot.
1: Mm. Mm. What about panel shows over there? They're mad for them, aren't they?
7: They're mad for them, and I cannot get on. Oh, so, <laughs> Daniel, don't rub it in. No, <laughs> no, no, but like, I think that I think the illusion is that I'm just like killing it overseas, and what I have is just a plane ticket to London, and anyone can do that. I promise. Um, it, it's a really. <sighs> I remember when I lived here, I used to joke that TV subsidised my live career In mm. when I lived in Melbourne and that really was the case. I was very lucky that when I first started, I had lots of opportunities. Um, some might say I was overexposed <laughs> with not enough talent. Um, and now in the UK, I have an amazing live career mm. and I can, you know, gig anywhere I want to and you can make really good money. You can like earn a very decent living over there. Uh, but, the, you know, there are just a lot of – there's an enormous amount of incredibly talented comedians and if – sometimes if you're not new um, or you haven't already made it, in inverted commas, then cracking through or breaking through can be difficult. Yeah, Right. Um
1: what a brutal world, huh?
7: Yeah, look, life's hard and <laughs> then you die. And <laughs> come see the show. Come see the show. show. Mum needs money, yeah?
1: <laughs> it's so good that you're in town. It's just fantastic. And so there's one show, July 9, at the Athenaeum.
7: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's uh surprisingly, it's selling very well. Of course. So there's a possibility that there might be a, a second show. And if you buy tickets now, that will make me feel so much better. Um, I'm sure there's lots of people that come on radio and they're like, we're doing so great. I'm like, I'm desperate, you know. It, you, you, everyone is one month away from being broke in the UK. doesn't matter if yeah, you're a millionaire right. or you're, you're living on the streets, mm. you already are broke. But um, it's just so, London is just so precarious. Yeah. Um, and it's wild. And But their comedy scene is, I'm sorry to say, the best in the world. Mm. That's, it's just amazing. Is
1: there a room that's your favourite?
7: Um, I mean, the Comedy Store is just like the Sydney um, Comedy Store. It's, it's physically built for comedy. Yeah. So no matter how good the acts are, uh, it, it doesn't matter how good or bad the acts are, if you get a laugh in those rooms, it is oh. a, it, physically designed for you to get the maximum laugh that you can hear it on stage. Oh. So How thrilling. Th- there's actually loads of rooms in the UK that I just think like, Am I? Did I just reinvent comedy or was that, is this just a very good room? Amazing. <laughs> okay, well,
1: to see the show, She's Back, baby. She's Back, baby. <laughs> the medley. Yeah,
7: yeah. <laughs> Don't uh,
1: forget. <laughs> Flissy Ward of the Athenaeum, Saturday, 9th of July. Uh, book now for information and tickets. Go to tickertech.com.au. And what a treat to have back in town, uh, the legend Flissy Ward. Thank you.
7: So lovely to be here. Thanks. Triple R.
0: Thanks for listening to a podcast of the best bits of breakfasts, which is the Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Feel free to get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or the Triple R website.